Doctor. You're expecting someone else? I... 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 That's three eyes in one breath. Makes you sound a rather egotistical young lady. And we're back! Yes, here we go. The Team TARDIS has reconvened uh, to bring... Is it the Team TARDIS or the TARDIS Trio? I thought trio? we were the TARDIS, TARDIS trio. trio! I'm terribly sorry. I'm out of practice here. Uh, yes, we have reconvened to bring you Colin Baker, the sixth Doctor. Uh, we're going to talk about his He's era. the colourful one. Yeah. And it seems not a moment too soon. Oh! Bottoms. You may have just heard someone say that. Uh, yes, so Colin Baker, the sixth Doctor, and a familiar face to Doctor Who, because we had seen him before yes. in Ark of Infinity, yes. where he played Maxwell the Guard with his massive, massive, massive helmet. Hardly the first time you've seen the same actor more than once in Doctor Who. Well, that's true. Or the last. And it won't be the yeah. last, definitely. I mean, even the late great Nick Courtney turned up as two different characters. That's true. We might talk about that later on. Maybe not in this particular episode, but maybe in a future one. Who wants to kick us off with our favourite story from the Colin Baker era? Uh, I'll kick off, and I shall kick off with Attack of the Cybermen. Attack of the Cybermen! Yay, cool. Yeah, and a story that gives away the villain, mm -hmm. as you may know. And indeed uh, what they do. What they do? Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't attack, do they? They convert. It's not like golf tournament of the Cybermen, no. you know. <laughs> I <laughs> thought they were going to be all cuddly. Oh. Well, a bit, a bit cold. No, that's cool. That's just to be Cybermats. I've got a wee, I've got a wee Cybermat called Bob. Bob the Cybermat. I like that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, How's Bob doing? Uh, he's running out of batteries, unfortunately. Oh, no! <laughs> that's the worst thing that could happen. To a Cybermat. Indeed. Yes. So, Attack of the Cybermen. Cybermen. Okay. That wouldn't be very... Anyway, Cybermen. Oh, I don't know, Dalek. Um, that's all in the future, folks. Okay. We're, we're venturing into the territory of Doctor Who that I've seen for reals, for my actual memory now. Live! Live! Live. I actually saw this on, on telly, telly wow. back in the day. Wow. Uh, because there are quite a few distinctive scenes in this that mm. I, I, I remember. Very distinctive scenes in this one, yeah. In my childhood. One of which is a black painted Cyberman, which is a cyber scout. That's right. I, I don't know if they talk. Did they talk? I don't know. Uh, there were kind of un was, underlings. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, well, the uh, weird thing about this story is that it kind of ties into the Tenth Planet. It does very much so yeah. because the Cybermen are trying to avert the destruction of their home planet of Mondas. Mm. So there's a whole timey wimey thing going on <laughs> with things happening in the future, things happening in the present, mm -hmm. and the present being 1985. The events of Mondas destruction being 1986. Yes. They kind of flip between planet Earth and planet Telos. Telos. As well. Tell us about it, Neil. Tell us about oh. it as well. Someone had to yes. say it. And it, being the, it could only be you. I am and the master of puns. Did you know they even went as far to use the same quarry pit? Really? As Tomb of the Cybermen. Wow. Yeah. Cool. They, they went there. It was actually written by Paula Moore, a woman... And that was a, a bit of an uh, unusual event for 80s Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. Later, of course, there was Pip and Jane Baker. Yes, that's true. Uh -huh. Rory Monroe. Oh, yeah. The the second appearance of Lytton. Yes, uh-huh. Who Lytton. unfortunately met a sad demise. Oh, spoilers. Anyway, everything <laughs> we talk about here is a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers from 1985. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A very rare appearance by Terry Malloy. In his own face. That's right, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> he's one of one of the gang. Yes, he's one of he's the... One of the uh, the criminal Rose. gang. And the other one in that gang was Brian Clover. <clears throat> Who was awesome in it, yeah. He was awesome in it. Yeah. 
the the best line in it, as far as I'm concerned, is the bit when the Cybermen are getting attacked by the Doctor. Not particularly violently, but the, mm. the, the Cybermen start to panic a wee bit. And Brian Glover is in the cyber control room at this point, and he quips up with the line, Getting a bit rough, is it? <laughs> <laughs> to which yes. the cyber captain then starts to crush his head, Indeed. which is not very... There's, yeah. there's quite a few kind it's of gory bits. And, it is, it yeah. is definitely one of the more extreme ones yeah. of the of the mid-80s. Uh, who's, yeah. is, yeah. Do you not think the Sixth Era in general is quite, you know, it's dark? <clears throat> yeah, it's there's very steep. Pretty nasty, yeah. pretty nasty stuff there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just general unpleasantness. Well, I think we should maybe take a wee side step here and talk about his first story because none of us are going to talk about it. Uh, it's no one's favourite. The twin dilemma is when he first do, regenerates. Do, do we need to? I think we should just to give a bit of a fair basis for his character. Yeah. And it's the most unstable regeneration we've seen in Doctor Who. He's all over the place. He's violent towards Perry. Yeah. Um, I mean, his personality changes. That's your, that's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his personal changes is all over the place and he doesn't really settle down and the thing was the way it was broadcast is his very first story was at the tail end of Peter Davison's season so you had basically a whole season of Peter Davison then you had this story with the Doctor for the majority of it being a bit of a psycho um, and also with no dress sense but that's an aside Um, (laughs) but only being you know lovable and nice at the end and coming to the rescue at the end and then you've got a whole break until it starts again the next year. Whereas everyone's lasting memory was that guy was a nut job. I would say when it picks up again, he's not particularly lovable and nice. He's, he's not. I mean, I like I like the character. Well, I'm, I'm not. I don't mean this in a critical way, mm-hmm. but he's quite a dark doctor before that became de rigueur. Yeah. With nine and so on. Well, I think it's the scriptwriters for the next season basically all watched his first appearance. Which, you know, if they were doing it just one Doctor per season, then that wouldn't have happened. Uh, and when they saw that, they thought, oh, right, so we can go a bit darker with this guy. And I feel all the scriptwriters kind of yeah. wrote him really dark they went, and they went extra violence too, in it. Too far, mm-hmm. in your opinion. And Eric Sayward um, revelled in the violence and how far he could push it mm-hmm. uh, in, that, in that time slot. I think there, that's... Oh, no, sorry. sorry. I was going to say, in particular on this episode... Where you see a Cyberman getting shot in the head at point blank in the TARDIS. Mm. I mean, whatever happened to the, you can't shoot things in TARDIS. State of temporal grace. Yeah, that's what what I was looking for. Mm. I mean, I think that went out the window in uh, Earthshock even. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I think those tendencies were kind of magnified by Six not really having it any real strong companion relationships. Mm -hmm. There were Mm -hmm. no real good bonds there, you know, there was no Sarah Jane type, there was no Ace type, there was no Mm -hmm. one that you felt the Doctor really cared about. Well, certainly not in this season. You you only really got to see how how much he cared for Perry when it came to the trial of the Time Lord. Uh Did he care for her or did he just feel guilty? Who knows? I feel we're going to take another sidestep because I want to talk about something else still coming I'm sorry Neil I'm totally hijacking your, your attack of the Cybermen just now uh-huh. but and it's the first time we're going to talk about it but do you not feel the Sixth Doctor works so much better on the Big Finish audios absolutely because I feel they've got a much better handle of the character yes uh, and they've given him 
companions that work better. E- Evelyn yes. was a great character. Evelyn was fantastic. And worked amazingly with him. Um, and even Nell came yes, into uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, Absolutely, yeah. Bonnie Langford. Her, her character development in Big Finish was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of um, liked Nell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she she, she had... didn't get to do that much, no, 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 but no. she I was a computer liked expert. She knew yeah. everything about computers in 1986. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but Colin Baker basically had had a, a rebirth of his his doctor mm-hmm. uh, on audio for his benefit as well. It's, yeah, he's really came into his own. I think. I think it made him shine out more than the coat did. <laughs> that's the thing because the coat distracts from pretty much everything and uh, that because he wa- he didn't want that he wanted to wear something like just plain black or slimming or something and yeah. that was not allowed then <laughs> whereas you know they bring it back with uh, Christopher Nicholson and what's he wearing uh, yeah so <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah sorry complete tangent side step let's jump back right into Attack of the Cybermen because it was another thing about Attack of the Cybermen is um, you actually see partially converted uh, Cybermen. You've got yes, people that are yeah. more human. It's it's almost like uh, what we saw of, of the Borg in Star Trek: The Next Generation, uh-huh. uh, where because, you see people are uh, still obviously human. No, but the last time you saw Litton, he, mm-hmm. he was partially converted. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot more scary than mm-hmm. just seeing Cybermen. Yeah. Uh, yes. As we said before, the Mondasian Cybermen from you know like the Tenth Planet are really scary because yeah. you know they are a lot more human-like yeah. uh, as opposed to the thump thump thump. Knew who Cybermen? I refer you back to our first Doctor <laughs> podcast listener. Uh, so still the best. There you go. Not that podcast in particular, but that Doctor that is Griffin's best. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yes, yeah. that's, that's my favourite Colin Baker story on TV. On TV, yes. Yeah. So there we are. It was quite convoluted continuity uh, for that because they went back to the tombs and tell us. Which didn't match up at all with what we saw in Tomb of the, Tomb of the Cybermen yeah. and the Patrick Troughton story, because that if it's, that story was actually missing for years and turned up yeah. way after nineteen ninety two. Yeah, it turned up. Yep, in Hong Kong. Indeed. Yeah. Um, I almost forgot he got to change the TARDIS chameleon circuit, didn't he? he yes, that's the important thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, huh? Because that was the thing. He's quite confident in the fact that he actually does. Proactively uh, do things like that. The sex doctor. Sex doctor, yeah. yeah. And he changes the TARDIS to means he fixes it. But unfortunately, the TARDIS has kind of got used to being the police box and hasn't got the hang <laughs> of blending in with its surroundings at all because it's a it's some sort of ornate cabinet at one point. Yeah, and it's a, a pipe organ. Yeah, the yeah. pipe organ harpsichord yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, that the doctor plays. What does he plays on it? Was it? Yeah. Which he actually learned for himself. Indeed. But I don't know if the communion circuit broke again or the TARDIS just said, no, no um, not doing it. That's it, enough. And just reverted back to the police box exterior. Yeah. But yeah, that's a it's very a valid point. Look. It's a classic look. You know, it's. As as has been kind of like stated in, or shown in, in new Doctor Who, it's kind of like when the TARDIS turns up, people all over the universe knows know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain races know culturally that that's the Doctor and yep. uh, that's what um, represents them. So. But that's way in the future. We don't know that yet. So there we go. So that's uh, Attack of the Cybermen. Any other comments we want to make on that? Or... Nope. No. Good show. Quite violent, quite nasty, 
lovely bit of continuity, uh, but yeah, all round a really good actioner. So there we are. Moving on, Christine, what's your favourite from the Colin Baker era? So once again, I have chosen a multi-doctor story. Oh. <laughs> and not the most obvious combination this time. Mm-hmm. It's the second doctor, <clears throat> Patrick Troughton, uh, returning with his iconic companion, Jamie. Yay. Looking slightly less boyish, but, you know, <laughs> uh, still carrying off the kilt. How, uh, how many years is it after the first <laughs> Um Well, enough to show. 1969 yeah. to, yeah, about uh, 15. Uh, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Enough to show. Yeah. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it did appear briefly in Five Doctors. They, but, they can still bring it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can yeah. still bring it. They fell yeah. back into routine instantly. Certainly, yeah. certainly Pat Troughton was straight back into it, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, it, it takes a long time in this story for the two Doctors two and six to come together mm-hmm. but the story starts off in black and white which is awesome yeah and then bursts into color mm-hmm. um along with an all-time classic uh doctor and jamie exchange <laughs> looking oh, looking yeah. at the monitor in the tardis uh jamie goes look at the size of that thing doctor <laughs> and Troughton goes yes jamie it is a big one Indeed, yes. And it's a space station they're talking about, by the way. Just, just for clarification, folks. Yeah. <laughs> and a thousand fanficers were born. There we are. <laughs> what also was cool about that scene is uh, they used the uh, TARDIS console that had been retired from the Peter Davidson era, the one that was replaced ah. uh, in the Five Doctors. They used that as um, the old Doctor's, yeah. so, so the old it, Doctor console. It looked retro as yeah. well. Yeah, so although it wasn't his actual proper TARDIS console, yeah. it was an older console, so that made sense. Sorry, tangent. No, no, that's cool. The thing is, this hangs together fairly well as a story, mm-hmm. which isn't always true of the <clears> multi-Doctor <throat> stories, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps because there are fewer Doctors and it's less about giving everybody a shot at that's true. screen yeah. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Time Lord's policy of strict neutrality gets name checked again. Way, uh, drink. If it, was, <laughs> if it was a drinking game, that would be a thing. Definitely, definitely one of those things that's uh, honoured more than in the breach than the observance. Yes. So yes, they are in this case interfering by wanting to stop experiments into time, mm-hmm. but they might not actually be wrong. Yeah. About this mm. one, that kind of ex- the story kind of explores the idea that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely the. I would say that's definitely the main theme of it. Uh-huh. And this is where I've got to get my soapbox a little because I feel like it's easy to watch this and see Chesney as the main villain, mm-hmm. played wonderfully by Jacqueline Pierce. Yeah. She is indeed, yes. and and I mean she is brilliant. She's cool, calm, effective, and wants to eat people. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I know exactly what Jacqueline Pierce would say. I play everything wonderfully. (laughs) (laughs) And then do her amazing laugh. (laughs) No, she's she's great, but she's a product of man's careless experiments. Mm -hmm. You know, the scientist who's essentially created her is doing things because he can, not because he thinks about what he should do, Uh not because he thinks about what she wants or what effect it might have on her. He gets to decide what she should be, what augmentations she needs. Uh Um... And his augmentations leave her essentially without a self, without a home. Mm-hmm. She's got nowhere she really belongs. She doesn't really belong with Shokai or others of her own. The Andragums. Yeah. Um, 
she doesn't belong with the humans all, no. the, all the time. She's more advanced or, than humans because mm. she's got yeah, she, she, telepathic abilities and things. So. She's got no secure base, uh, not to sound too social worker, so she's got to come up with an evil plan. Because <laughs> what else are you going to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially when you want to eat people. So <laughs> I think she's a really interesting counterpoint to having a companion like Perry. Mm-hmm. who's there to wear a push-up bra and shorts and whine a lot. Mm-hmm. And we've talked already about how sex is a bit more of an abrasive doctor than yes, perhaps uh-huh. we're used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way he, he he speaks to Perry with no respect whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He utterly talks down to her, not just in the kind of amusing, mm-hmm. bantery way yeah. uh, we're used to, but she never does anything to make you think... He shouldn't be talking to her like that. Right. Other than the fact that you shouldn't really talk to anybody like they're a waste of space. Could this be an early example of negging? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, but I think it's an interesting story. Uh, I think I well, think Chesney is t- a really good... We've not really touched on the plot. ...antagonist. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like to touch on the plot too much because people people can decide for themselves what they think since yeah. we're okay. watching. Okay. It's, it's time travel, in it? Yeah. Time travel, yeah. And we've not mentioned Santarns are in it, you know. Oh, yeah. Santarns are in it, but to be honest, I kind of feel like there's not much point in Santarns being in it. They're they're very underused. Uh The main characters are um, Chessini, as you said, um, Shokai of the Corsing Greek, who is amazing. That's a good one for the pub quiz, that one. (laughs) (laughs) And that's another thing, like, both incarnations of the Doctor in this Mm -hmm. really speak down to Shokai and the concept of androgums in general. They're Uh very dismissive. Right from the off, before Shokai or Mm. Mm, Chessini or anyone has done anything, really. Even though they're pretty much human looking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the they're, doctors. They're very opinionated in that they're quite a base level species, so yeah. Yeah. Their, their response to it is to treat them as such. The doctor says that at the first encounter, yeah. before they even do anything, mm-hmm. like, you're an androgam, how do you speak to me mm-hmm. like that? You're nothing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's a very doctorish characteristic. No. I thought that was. Yeah, I know what I you thought mean. I, that it struck me when we when we watched this again because I didn't think that was very doctorish, and and it's the second doctor as well as the sixth doctor mm-hmm. doing that. So well, the doctor can have these opinions, as we know, he can have kind of racial bias, as it were. I mean, look at the Curse of Peladon that you were talking about yeah. last uh, for the third doctor, yep. where he's assuming that the Ice Warriors are behind everything, and they're not. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know. So he can't from... Obviously, we haven't seen the Andragons before, and indeed since. Um, but he might have had some experience with them to think of them as, you know, a, a less... Well, I don't want to say lesser race, but, you know, a, a more a more threatening race or a, yeah. you know, a more but aggressive okay, race. The, the same could be said for the Jagaroth in City of Death. He indeed, was yeah. mm-hmm. a vicious, callous warlike race yeah. mm-hmm. who, who didn't deserve to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and after their destruction, in, mm. in his opinion, yeah, but pretty much casting the doctor as the big bad of the entire well, series. Well, yeah. <laughs> before he, he the, started, the doctor's not without his prejudice. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was just bragging about his diplomacy skills. Mm-hmm. The second before he goes in and dismisses them to their face with a tongue in cheek, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's almost like Jedi diplomacy skills and <laughs> Phantom Menace. <Indeed. laughs> but this was a this is a Bob Holmes script. 
and uh, I think it's his last one. I mm-hmm. think it was yeah, his last one. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah. yeah, and he he did a nice bit of wordplay there. Andragum, this species that's obsessed with eating and preparing food and eating different types of food, is an anagram of gourmand. Ah. And the starry, who's obsessed with science, uh, is an anagram of t- a tardis. Oh, so a nice bit of uh, wordplay and fun good. there. We should mention as well this season in particular uh, was forty-five minute episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of them were just like two episodes long, two forty-five minute episodes long. But this one was three, uh, so it's like your. It doesn't feel like it drags, and it doesn't yeah. feel like it drags. There's so much happening in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we do have a lot of fun runaround, you've got the subplot of the the guy that collects moths. That's right. Yeah. Uh, who but runs he's the set restaurant? Up as being a bit of a creep. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. He is a bit peculiar, but ends up getting, you know, horribly killed. For no real reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. other than the fact, because he asked, you know, uh, <laughs> Shockeye to pay the bill uh, in his <laughs> restaurant. Uh, so that was um, very bad. Yep. It's a really interesting story. It's a really good pairing, and it takes ages for uh, the second and sixth Doctor to actually meet. It does. Yeah. It does. They're barely in mm-hmm. it together, but they yeah. both make their presence felt. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I just think Chitani gets a bad, a bad rap. I think she's making the best of the situation she's been put in. Yeah, she's been. It's the Frankenstein monster situation, isn't it? You know, someone's been created for yeah. all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. uh, and um, doesn't really belong, and is trying to find out how they belong and find their own way in. Well, in this case, the universe. That's a really interesting story, and one again that we've. Had and who as well from like stories like Brain of Morbius and stuff, you know, yeah. which was a close runner up for my favourite fourth Doctor story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but alas, didn't make the cut. What a magnificent head! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was um, any other points for the two Doctors or? We're good. What's your story? There you go. Uh, well, last time for the fifth Doctor, Neil did Resurrection of the Daleks. I've got the second part of that trilogy as such, Revelation of the Daleks. Mm. Yep, this continues on from Resurrection. It's set on a, it's like a funeral planet. Temp- is it temporal repose? repose? Tranquil, Tranquil repose. repose, yes, sorry. Yes. I'm getting mixed up with the time travel here. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's a really, really strange kind of black comedy uh, satire, you've got Alexi Sale as oh, a yeah. DJ in it who plays music to the dead. Yeah. It's very bizarre. Mm-hmm. It takes ages for the Doctor to actually enter the um, uh, the situation. I don't, again, I don't want to give too much away of the plot here, but you've got uh, Davros, you've got two factions of Daleks. You've got one controlled by Davros um, and then you've got one controlled by the Emperor Dalek and Daros is kind of set up on this planet and he's kind of creating new breeds of Daleks pretty much from corpses. From corpses. Uh, sort of, and it's all kind of horrible. Um, and it's just a really, really bizarre story. Uh, you've got this strange kind of obsessive love story with this creepy um, funeral director who is is a complete object of desire by mm. one of the one of the embalmers. Yeah. Um, and she totally his head over heels in love with him but everyone seems to love him and he he loves himself but he's just this really creepy looking you know guy yeah. it's it's a very very bizarre choice so yeah you've got that going on uh, that's just on in the background i must say one interesting thing is when i first got this in dvd um there was a fault in the dvd right. and there was a scene in which two characters there's a whole rebellion happening in it as well that's a whole tangent it's another subplot um Two of the rebels are running up a corridor. 
and then it cuts to another scene of them uh, running up the corridor. Mm-hmm. And the um, fault I had on the home, my DVD was um, it just repeated that scene. <laughs> so it literally was the ultimate Doctor Who running along a corridor, which is which I thought was amazing. But then I thought, yeah, that's great, but it doesn't really advance the plot. I want to see what happens. <laughs> so I had to get another one. Now, um, are they the two rebels that are basically they're looking for her father? Because, yes, and yeah. he's uh, inside like the crystalline Dalek sort of yeah, thing. That's, yeah, that's another again another gross out moment. Yeah, that's just in my childhood yeah, memory. Stuck in the childhood brain. Oh. Yes, uh, but, I want a crystalline Dalek. <laughs> not like this one. You don't. No. Not with a you know mutated Christmas tree. For the Christmas tree. Okay, that's fine. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, this one's by Eric Saber. Um and. It's just filled with such black humour. I think actually for the for the DVD release they had to change some of the music in it because I think he originally. Oh yeah, Elvis. there was licensing issues. Yeah, with, huh? they, uh, that's happened a lot for the, for I the think BBC it was stuff. Beatles tracks and Elvis tracks. Yeah, huh, originally. originally. Yeah. yeah, but it's more kind of like generic um, music, yeah. as it were, on yeah, the yeah. on the DVD, mm. which is really annoying because you'd love to hear just how mm-hmm. it was supposed to be. Yep. So yeah, it's just a really bizarre story, and again. It's, the Doctor doesn't actually really turn up and become effective uh, in it until the end of the first episode. Yeah. So you've got a whole episode of him mulling about in the snow. He's wearing a big, massive blue cloak in this, by the way, which uh, looks awesome because it takes away from the coat. Yes. The coat <laughs> is a running theme. I don't want to say it's a lot of fun. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, it's the first time you see Daleks float. You actually see Daleks float in this where they've got kind of like a, an energy, you know, shimmer underneath them. Just Davros. Oh, you know what I mean. The Dav- yes. Dalek technology yes. uh, for floating, as it were. Yes. Um, I, I think Dav Ross was basically prototyping it for himself <laughs> <laughs> and then was ready to dish it out Indeed. For, for the next thing. Uh, it's like the, ju- the other thing was mm-hmm. Dav Ross was incognito. That's right. He was the great healer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a horrible thought, really. Yeah. <laughs> Someone looks at Dav Ross being the great healer. Yeah. Um, was he not a bit conspicuous? Well, when he first appeared, when you first saw him, he was basically, it looked like the TARDIS console Aye. with Davros's head. Head uh, in a jar. <laughs> yeah, replacing the time motor and he used to spin round and spin round. But it turned out that was just like a, a remote control puppet and Davros was behind the scenes doing everything. And that was going to be a target if anyone tried to attack him. So that was the, that was his insidious plan there. Yeah, the Doctor comes in and solves it all. And then you get that famous uh, freeze frame at the end where Perry's like, oh, this is terrible, we need a holiday. And the doctor says, I know, I'll take you to... And then it freeze frames. We know where he wants to go. Yes. He goes to Blackpool. It's supposed to be Blackpool. (laughs) Although new people might think it's Barcelona. No, Uh, It's not Barcelona. It was supposed to be Blackpool. The next season was supposed to kick off with uh, a story called The Nightmare Fair, which uh, featured the Celestial Toymaker, who was a character from... The William Hartnell era. Oh, um, yeah, so that is a great story, and that was set up in that. It's, it's available Lost as a, a tar- story, though. Yeah, it's a, it's on a target novelization, and Big Finish did an audio of it as well. So it's still hard kind, for viewers to get. Yeah, um, the casual viewer to get. Yeah. Get the background though. That's true, yeah. but uh, and then obviously the next season they just made Trial of a Time Lord, mm-hmm. which we are not talking about just now. Unless you want to do a brief summary of Trial of a Time Lord to find uh, it out. Well, we can if you like. Yeah, why not? Okay, so as we said, the 
dumped that last season. We had the whole Doctor in Distress uh, situation, yeah, where Doctor Who was put on hiatus, yes. uh, so to speak, and there was a bit of a, a minor public outcry, mm. uh, saying bring back Doctor Who. Don't talk about Doctor in Distress. Yeah, you, you can, I'm sure it's on YouTube, feel free to Google it. Don't. Watch it, one, <laughs> watch it once, just once, once, <laughs> and then never watch it again. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, that was that whole season was pretty much written and jettisoned, uh, and then they replaced it with Trial of a Time Lord. They cut it down from what was the equivalent of twenty six half hour episodes to fourteen, and they made one fourteen part season. Except it wasn't really a fourteen part season. They split it into four stories, three four parters, and a two parter. And basically, the whole idea was the Doctor was in trial. As, <laughs> because the show was in trial, yeah. as it were, uh, to see whether it would continue. I mean, I could present a better defence. Yeah, mm. uh, the trial part wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, the prosecutor was uh, a time lord called the Valyard, who turned out to be a potential future incarnation of the Doctor. Yeah. An evil one. Evil one. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, it was a bit mixed. It did uh, give Perry one of the weirdest send-offs of any companion, yep. where it seemed like her head was shaved and a brain of a, yeah. a slug was put inside her instead and yep. uh, took over her body, when, whereas the doctor was whipped out of time and couldn't help her. That's what it seemed like at first. Yeah, and I think her actual ending is even weirder. Her actual ending is even weirder because apparently she fell in love with Brian Blessed. <laughs> And became a warrior queen. Became a warrior queen, of course. So, yeah, why not? I don't see it somehow. So that was peculiar. And then you had the whole kind of anomaly of the sixth doctor, as part of his defence, says, "Okay, I might have done things in the past. However, I get better." And he calls a future companion uh, in the form of Bonnie Langford's male. Uh, to, to be a witness for his defence and then at the end of the story he goes away with that male even though he hasn't met her yet yeah hmm yeah there's a lot a lot of stories written around Sixth Doctor both in audio and uh, in books and mm. tons and tons of fanfic yeah. it's almost like six season 6B all over again I'm no. not sure there's as much fanfic as you think uh, there's quite a bit people mm. prefer the cute boys well Okay, on that note, I think we should maybe wind up <laughs> uh, our Colin Baker talk. Considering, you know, he has had the shortest tenure of, of uh, any of the Doctors we've talked about so yeah. far, um, we have talked about him for the most. Yes. He was shortchanged. He, he was, was shortchanged. Yep. So I'm glad we have actually given him a bit of time uh, to go over his, his era, because it was uh, certainly worthwhile, really interesting, uh, very flawed, but moments of excellence in it too. Yep. You're going to edit this down, right? No. No. <laughs> uh, it's going to be the full four and a half hours uh, <laughs> so on that note uh, we will wind up now and catch you next time where we talk about Sylvester McCoy oh, what's he going to be like find out next episode oh, carrot juice carrot juice carrot juice carrot juice